Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Corner Talks podcast. Today, I have a very talented photographer, Matthew Guido. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, man. Uh, I just have to start out and say that, uh, you know, like with other guests I've had on the podcast, uh, you are someone that I've never really met personally, uh, face-to-face until now. Uh, we've connected through Instagram, right? The beauty of yeah. social media. And uh, it's just really a pleasure to have another creative on the, on the podcast, someone that I, I, I really uh, do revere and uh, admire in their work. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice to be here. I think like one of the best parts about all the different podcasts that are coming out, especially from COVID is uh, we're missing that connection with people, right? And Instagram in general to me is like, it's you're connecting with people, but it's so like non-connecting at the same time because it's so disposable. So you're just yeah. tapping it, you're just tapping into something that you're interested in, which is cool. Yeah, especially like how the algorithms are run. Uh, you know, we remember Instagram in the early days. Uh, you post something and it's it gets a lot of traction because it's the most recent post, but now it's all about likes and things like that. So it's just Indeed, nice man. to know that. Yeah, it, it's just nice to know that through all that uh, that noise, we're able to uh, connect, right, and 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 exactly. find each other's work. Uh, so yeah, having said that, like I said, uh, you're a photographer. Um, very, very talented one at that. Uh, your style really does intrigue me, man. Uh, it's, it's very exciting. I'm sure you get compliments all the time, um, with regards to the, your use of lighting and composition. Um, even the models are great, right? Like you don't, <laughs> you're very selective. I'm sure about the models, right? Cause I, 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 seen... I honestly, I love casting. So exactly. Right. People ask like one of the, there's two things I hear all the time. Um, probably one of them is like, will you shoot me? And like the other one is like, you know, talking about what do you need to be to become a model and like all of that kind of stuff. Right, so right. I always elaborate on that. We can go into that too. But yeah, no, I, I love to hear some tips too, because uh, funny that you say that I went before the pandemic started, I was kind of in between jobs and I was trying to figure out what to do next with my career. And I said, you know what, why don't I just try out this acting modeling agency? Uh, so I, I got signed and then the pandemic hit. So if you can give me some tips or advice, or if you ever want to work, <laughs> if you ever want to, yeah, if you ever want to like help my portfolio, yeah, just throw it out there because uh, I never really got the chance to sink my teeth in it um, because everything's been halted, right? But um, I know things will pick up soon. Yeah, I think um, the whole <laughs> COVID definitely put like a huge damper on um, all production in general. I know now like things are starting to like open up slightly, but it's not that it's just not the same. Like it's. Yeah. Um, there's another barrier before you can even get to the part where you're doing what was already hard to do in the first place. So even yeah, and, it's even more, incent- it's even more incentive now to like make everything count, you know, like I think there's yeah. a lot of like stuff happening and now it's like, yeah. keep your ducks in a row before they quack. Yeah. And, and I'm happy that you brought that up actually, because from one creative to another, I'm very curious, obviously on Instagram, it doesn't show the full picture. Right. Yeah. And until you talk to the person. So from what I see is you, you're killing it. You know, you're putting out content and you're doing collaborations and productions. How has the pand- pandemic uh, affected you and your business? Um, it's almost like here. Okay. In, in a metaphor of example, you know, when you go to a restaurant and you order something and you're so excited for it to get to your table and you're like seeing it pass by and you can smell right. it. And you're like, every time the waiter goes by, you're like, Oh, is that mine? Like you're excited. It's felt like that the whole time. So it's like, I know I'm in a position of, being able to do what I'm doing but in the situation I'm just kind of like sitting waiting for things to even out um for example uh, a lot of the work I was doing previously was uh more fashion and portrait and beauty 
and the stuff that I'm currently doing has a little bit more production. So there's more bodies, more people, more complications. And it's funny to do that at a time when there's like all these restrictions. So it's been, it's definitely been challenging, but it's caused me to kind of go back into my own thoughts. I went through like so many different layers already through COVID. Like I reevaluated my point of view. I reevaluated my portfolio. I reevaluated what I want. Um, I made business plans multiple times and like, not that things weren't going the way I wanted them before, but like just to take the time to fine tune. Mm -hmm. And um, none of those things have been able to really go back into action. So that's where like in Ontario specifically, it's been frustrating. Yeah, Um, for sure. I I have friends all over the world that are like, I can't believe you're still locked down. I can't believe it's still like this and all that. But um, for our realities, um, it's made me like spend more time in here. And I'm really excited now that things are opening up. I'm going to get to, let all that out to everybody so that's the that's my like positive yeah your opportunity and like you said like that that uh when when the pandemic hit it's people don't realize that uh, as much as people were suffering there's the other side where it's like they got a chance to collect their thoughts and you know be alone with uh in your case your imagination and and figure out what direction you want to take with your your brand your business and things like that but you were mentioning how uh you don't feel it's going to be the same going back what did you mean by that um, I think maybe, um, the speed of which things kind of pop back into, into normal. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I think like if we think by the fall, things are just going to be like back to how it was, like it's, that's what I mean. I don't think it's going to be like that. No, eh? it'll probably, it'll probably be like a layered, like release back to where it was. If it ever goes back to where it was, who knows, but like with the stages, right. Stage mm. one and two, they're, they're already doing that now. Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that because for me, the way I guess they say not to listen to the media too much, uh, you get the impression like by July, it's going to be like the United States. They say everyone, everything's going to be open. Everyone's going to be a free for all and you're going to be killing it. But, um, that's an interesting perspective. That's why I love talking to people is because everyone has a different take on it. Um, and you feel like as an artist, it's going to be gradual. One of the biggest complications is like, let's say I'm doing a production or there's something happening in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be that morning of, and then someone could say, Hey, um, someone I know was in contact with someone that was positive. So now it just, it's like a Jenga effect. Like one person pulls out and then the whole thing. Yeah, kind of, of course. So it's yeah. been a lot of that, but I understand why that's happening. So hopefully we can keep the Jenga tower together so things can get created. But does that affect in a way? Cause I want to understand this. Does that affect like your creativity or your momentum? Uh, um, project? momentum maybe just because i was at like a a point right before covid where i was about to re um reintroduce my body of work to everybody oh so yeah so i i basically in 2016 i did a lot of work with like neon lighting um and i shot a specific creative called eye candy that uh went viral got picked up by adobe as the cover of lightroom um i won a bunch of awards got hired in a bunch of jobs got to go like travel to italy to work for ray-ban um wow worked with with Huawei out of Germany and like I did a whole bunch of like different things after that um, and then commercially I was being hired specifically for that exact aesthetic um, so I kind of rode a really beautiful wave and what I realized in that was uh, there was room to elevate that point of view so I'm at that like really interesting point right now where I haven't shown that elevation visually yet to the the audiences and stuff yeah um, and that, that gets like really frustrating. I almost went into like a creative insomnia over COVID because 
oh, wow. how people are viewing what I'm doing doesn't represent where I'm currently at. It's like a musician having an album out um, and it doesn't represent where their current headspace yeah. is. They're about to drop a new album. So I'm just so excited to bring this next body of work forward. Um, and uh, that's that's been probably the most frustrating thing for sure. Yeah, strange as it might sound, like looking at your profile, for example, like someone looking in, it's like, uh, you're basically saying what I see is outdated from your perspective. Like you, you've advanced and you, you've, there's more content that you want to show that's even different. Yeah. Um, not, not to a degree that you'll notice like such a stark black drastic. Yeah. It's just a growth. It's just a growth. Right. So I'm really, um, it's, it's really tough, man. Like when you're in a, when you're in an artist position in general, like you basically have to become professional at, self-hating on like you know you look you produce something and then you get over it and you want to produce something else so over the years like i've i learned how to like go through all the swings of i'm doing something i express it i do something i express it and uh i always i always um actually give an example with that too so um when things happen to you as an artist you have to absorb those things digest it and then communicate it back out that's the whole storytelling of like let's say something happened in my life, I'm going to channel that um, and, you know, express that out to everybody throughout whatever medium I choose. If it's like um, a style within my, my lighting or a certain mood of how I capture people. So as I've gone through new things, I haven't been able to express that. So in that sense, it's like, I'm just can't wait to catch up on, on all that stuff with everyone. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very important. And, uh, you know, I can relate what you're saying about that. That's how I tell people, like, I I write in direct films. People always say to me, how do you write? You know, how do you sit down and just stare at the blank page? And for me, storytelling always comes from a place that you've experienced, like a pain you've gone through and kind of what happens to you, right? How you're affected and projecting that, whether it's in your characters or like you said, the lighting, the way it's stylized. Uh, so I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, I want to bring it back to like photography. Did you go to school for it? How did you pick up this passion? Um, so I grew up basically always like illustrating, painting, um, drawing, uh, specifically, like if I really wanted to think of an example, I probably started drawing like Dragon Ball Z characters when I was in like grade, like two, three. And they were like literally pieces of paper where you like print it on your pip you print it from your printer and then you put another piece of paper over and you're like tracing over then i stopped needing the piece of paper underneath and i just started drawing myself right right um and then i was sort of like in a box of creating characters that i loved so um my older brother was in also in painting illustration and photography and i was like wow it's so cool that you can create these characters but like on real people so that was my right. first influence into it maybe when I was in grade uh grade nine or ten um also I will highlight that uh Pokemon Snap on N64 made a huge influence on uh using a camera that was like a definite highlight from, <laughs> yeah, back, in, yeah. from back in the day but um I went through the school system I didn't actually properly finish high school so I ended up leaving early um oh, wow. and then doing co-op when I was 17 Okay. So at that, so at that time, no, sorry, 16, um, my older cousin, who's a model got me a placement with a fashion photographer, um, wow. just to help kind of guide me in the right direction. So right, right. 
I was 16. I had like a creative artistic mindset with no academic um, flair. <laughs> so yeah. um, I got like a hands-on experience to, right. Hey, if you put the work in, you can actually make this happen. And there's a really good quote that says, uh, Oh, I'm going to mess this quote up, but it's something along the lines of uh, paraphrase. <laughs> ta- Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard. Something like that. So oh, that's pretty cool. I, 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 that. had, I had something in my head at the time yeah. where, I, where I was like, I realized that I have a talent, but I'm going to do the work and I'm going to put yeah. in everything I can. And I'm not just going to sit back and wait for an email to come to me to say, oh, we're going to hire you. I wanted to create um, a movement for people that were going to be you know, excited to say, oh, I want a picture from specifically from Matthew Guido because it feels or looks like this. So I was in that mindset really young and I spent a lot of time uh, interning. I did, I worked a lot for free, but I really looked at it like that was my school. So yeah, um, I was a sponge. I absorbed as much as I could. And um, I think around maybe like 21 years old, I was like pretty like grounded in the sense of artistically. I knew what my opinion was. I understood a little bit about like the way that things worked. And I had enough connections with people who were uh, in a mentorship position with me and better than me. Mm-hmm. um that I leaned into and I trusted those people and that really helped me too so I'm 32 now I've been basically doing this half of my life um and I think I spent like the first three seasons of this show um figuring out like how to make all the mistakes so and I still make the mistakes now but yeah um, yeah They'll, well take this as that, a compliment take this as a, <laughs> I, I love that story but I just have to throw this in there take this as a compliment or not but uh you don't look you're 32 you look much younger man thanks I don't know if you I'll get t- that a lot hey, I'll take it <laughs> yeah because I'm 26 and I thought you were roughly the same age but yeah uh didn't know but so it just goes to show you like uh the amount of experience you have right in that time uh you're saying you were basically started this what in 16 17 mm-hmm. and over the course of like you people that are, are looking at your page or, or just really aspiring to the same level. Uh, I don't think comprehend, you know, how much dedication, how much time and commitment. And you said it yourself, you were working for jobs that were free, uh, that, that didn't pay you at all. Well, the thing, my thing is like, I'm always after value, not money. So right. value is a bigger umbrella than money is. Money is like, you know, you're putting a, like a, an actual title and label onto a service where, yeah value could be completely priceless. So if I'm going to give my time to something or put the time in uh, for free and I'm getting value to me, I was getting paid. So I, I treated it like that. I did, I worked yeah. just as hard as if I was getting paid, like, you know, like a million bucks. I treated getting paid $0. I worked yeah. even harder. Right. So, and I appreciate, I respect that mindset because that's actually something that I'm kind of struggling with too. Like when I started my business recently, uh, 94 productions, it's, it's like, there's jobs where you do it for the love of film, like you're creating these short films, but you're also doing, but you're also not getting paid. And then you're doing jobs or corporate videos and you do get paid, but there's like a part of me where it's like the, when I go on those film sets, I learned so much like the last film set that I was on, like in terms of lighting and uh, sound and things like that, where, like you said, like you can't put a price on value. And I, I try to, what I'm saying is argue with people like in the arts, you have to sometimes sacrifice the pay for the value. Um, especially if you're put in a position that can be advantageous. Yeah. I think here's the thing. So look at yourself like a, like a video game character that you have all different stats. Okay. Okay. So, you know, um, if you're going to do that and you're going to look at, um, let's say, uh, business conduct, communication, um, portfolio, um, money behavior, 
um, scheduling, all different categories, whatever it is that you want to do, marketing, blah, blah, blah. Um, look at the areas that you're weaker or you don't have enough. And that's where you can make like, you, you can put, like make a, a smart decision and say, you know what, I'm not really there yet on how I'm communicating with clients on how I'd like to be paid for this service. And every time I mm. do a job, deep down, I kind of cop out on the rate that I want. And then you feel like shit after when you do the job, because let's say, yeah. I'll just make up like a generic number. So let's say you want um, to get paid a thousand bucks, but for some reason you said 500 and you do the job, you've been paid, they like you, and then they're hiring you for the same, but deep down, you know, you ripped yourself off. Yeah. So that's an area that you have to learn how to improve on. Um, and I think until that behavior changes, you'll you outgrow those things too. So when yeah. I was working for free or corporate stuff where I'm like, you know, I'm getting paid for it. So I feel good about it, but I'm not shooting what I want. There's a really weird balance with that. And that's like the same thing in life when it comes down to like, you know, you want to eat all the food that you want to eat, but then you're going to feel like shit and gain weight. Like you need to yeah. find that balance with everything, including, um, how people pay you. And I learned over the years that you kind of have to tell people how to hire you. You have to tell people how to pay you because everyone is really going to do what's best for, for them. But as, as an artist, there's no yellow brick road for your survival, right? Like you don't even know where you're going in three, three to five years. Cause you can't plan it out. So yeah. it, it becomes very, very tricky. And the only thing that you can really, really do is try to level out all of your statistics. Like you're a video game character. Right. So, you know, like, okay, when I'm dealing with corporate people, I know how to deal with this. When I'm dealing with creative people, I know how to, you know, work with, uh, I can delegate, I can manage this, I can do that. No one, yeah. no one's perfect, but at least if you can like scale yourself, it helps. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just, um, sorry about that. I got a call. Um, I know I agree with everything you said and it, it, it was very well put because, you know, that's, and I'm, I'm happy you discussed about the whole pricing because that's what I've, I've kind of been experiencing is, is you know, what, what you said is you say a price and then maybe you feel bad about it. Or if you stay at that price, then uh, when you do get uh, those, those continuous, those, uh, those roles, those jobs, uh, you're, it's hard to like, you know, start saying, okay, instead of 500, now I need a thousand. Right. Um, did you experience that? Uh, like when you started your business or when you started uh, getting these jobs, like that struggle of asking for a price? Yeah, I used to, well, now what I learned and I think what I kind of felt in the beginning is I never liked verbalizing a rate. It didn't feel natural to be on the phone and be like, like, oh, so how much is it going to cost? And you're like, yeah. um, so I always like do something in, over an email and I break everything down by um, something like this. Okay, this is not going to be the best quote you've ever seen, but uh, <laughs> let's let's just say that you do um, you want to charge somebody a thousand bucks. They're going to try and talk your rate down, but they don't understand where that number is coming from. So I always produce right. like proper like little quotes, and oh, this is going to be reversed, but you can break down your no, fee, no, I see. Right? It. So Perfect. like you can yeah. have like your creative fee that's six hundred, and then you can have retouching that's 200 and then you can have your rental equipment that's 200 i'm just making this up i'd have like a whole list of stuff like assistance and production and all that no for sure but yeah. the way that you can work with someone is you can say okay well i'll absorb the retouching cost um so you're offering them 200 off of your thousand 
but without them just knocking you to 500 or like changing your rate, you can say, I'm going to absorb the cost for the retouching to work with you, but like you're keeping your creative fee and you're keeping, you know, um, your, your yeah. hard costs, like your rental that way you, you build your price in with layers and levels. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm represented by an agency called Sting Production. So, okay. um, I work on internally with that team to create, to make all the money decisions. And then they'll speak to the client about all the administrative and logistics stuffs, which is better for me because I like being spoken to for creative terms, not for yeah. all the money stuff. And like, it just yeah. adds another like complication with uh, the relationship with the client and stuff. Uh, no, however, sure. however, um, when you're on your own, you need to figure out your survival techniques to, protect yourself, but also make it look a certain way to everyone else that they don't have the permission to chop your rate in half. Like it doesn't make yeah. sense that someone that's hiring you has the permission to cut you in half like that. So it's all no, about I, how you, it's how you communicate it. No, what you just provided was very insightful. Um, and I, I was on, I was on the same like kind of mindset. Like when I create my invoices, it's about providing details for the client, like to clarify what you're basically charging them, right? Instead of just giving a, a flat rate, like saying a thousand dollars, right? Um, by having a breakdown, uh, they can see where their money's being spent, and you can also use that as a negotiation tactic. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. So where I've really also what's good about this is like you'll notice I had a line item that says creative fee, and what I've really done is like worked hard to build my portfolio to a rate to justify having right. an expensive creative fee because that's where I'm adding most of my value. Um, some of the hard costs like equipment, studio assistance, backdrops, whatever, those things are going to be the same no matter who you hire. Um, right. So the variable is why are you hiring me versus somebody else? So usually when I'm hired, it's because people want what I do creatively versus yeah. trying to get the lowest price possible. So it yeah, just no, and that's, and that's very important, right? Because I, I studied uh, before I started pursued filmmaking, I studied marketing at Ryerson and it's all about, that's all we discussed is the importance of brand and uh you know making yourself competitive uh, have a competitive advantage right like why should we hire you compared to another photographer on instagram it's it's what you can provide right yeah. like that certain quality um so yeah i wanted to say like you know speaking of instagram um i've noticed you know there's a lot of people that are photographers and there's a lot of you know artworks or pieces of content that can come across very dull and uh very static uh, lacking originality uh, you know, because people have tutorial videos on edits or Instagram filters. Mm. But your style of photography continues to excite me, like I said uh, at the beginning of the podcast, because of your use of color palettes and makeup. And I wanted to know, like, what is the source of inspiration that gives your work that unique quality? Um, I think at its core, I would say a lot of the, like, eccentric colors and exaggerated um, compositions really stems from things I see in anime. Um, I okay. watch a lot of anime and I watch it um, as like an anime nerd for like personal reasons. And then right. I watch certain things because it's just so well done. And it's in a way that um, I would rather personally pull from something fantastical that isn't real that I can channel versus, you know, recreating a reference or a fashion reference or another photographer's work. And uh, for me, I found that the way that I've remained trend setting versus trend riding is from where my, my references come from. So, um, that's a, that's a really imp important thing. Um, I think in general, because your first instinct is to compare yourself to another photographer or filmmaker, 
you're going to go on Instagram, you're going to look at somebody else, you're going to look at their feed and either recreate it or create it in the way that you wish worked for you. Um, and for myself, I stopped doing that. I actively make an effort to not do that. And I look at the things that excite me and stimulate me. And I use those as my, my references. So like I'll have a, um, a creative meeting with art directors and um, usually mood boards are put together from Pinterest with like lots of different references, right. which, I, which I do do, but I'd like to include like raw ingredients to me of just total all the way there, like fantastical creativity. Um, what do you mean by raw? Like, like the snapshot maybe of a location? Like what um, the- I, I look at like, let me actually grab something. I probably have something. Sure. Over here. I look at, um, I'm going to pull a book from right over here. One sec. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So, so Matthew's just providing something for us to give us um, an insight on, you know, how he conducts these meetings. Uh, I'm curious about this raw idea. Okay. Let's just, let's just see. Yeah. I'll, I'll pull from a color palette from a book like this. Cool. And compositionally too. Like, let's say like literally I like how these two models are interacting. Right. And I'll, I'll keep these as like raw ingredients for my compositions. Mm. That's what I mean. Like something that's like not blended into what the purpose is yet for why I'm being hired. So I have all kinds of references like for group shots and for body composition and colors and stuff. And then what ends up happening is I'll create those things on real people and you end up with stuff that's a lot more like down this road yeah. where it's hyper pigmented and all that stuff. Yeah. That versus if I just picked something from like a Gucci campaign and say, oh, we're going to recreate this. And that's already, somebody already made that from their references. So I don't want to take their references and then just put my own spin on, on what they did. I want to introduce my own play into that. So yeah, if, it, I, so if I was going to shoot a Gucci campaign, right. for example, I'd go to a meeting with one of these and I'd be like, this is nice. what I want to pull from. Yeah. And that, that's why I get hired for that kind of perspective. Right. Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a very unique perspective. You're coming from a place where it's motivated by your own passions. And that's why back to the creative fees, you're in, you're integrating uh, something that's very unique that they can't find in someone else. Like if they were to hire me, I wouldn't pull from an enemy. I would pull from like films that I enjoy. Yeah. Right. And, and it's a very different dynamic. And then that all uh, is a matter of what, whoever the client is, what, what their preferences, right. Like their taste. Yeah. And it's like cooking. This is why I say raw ingredients. So like right now I just introduced something like this, let's call this like a piece of garlic. Mm -hmm. You can't only cook with that. It's going to overpower everything. So you said said film references, right. Yeah. Or uh, film compositions or um, storyboards, maybe from films that you love. Um, garlic goes really good when you start to saute it with some onion and some and some yeah. oil and yeah. um, you get your base down so you can cook other things on it. So I like to treat my client as like the piece of meat that's going to go in the pan. Yeah. I, yeah. I use my references as like the garlic and like the base. And then that way we're making something that's original um, and we're literally cooking together creatively versus um, maybe like how fast food works. I don't know, like how it's just like boom, 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 boom. So no, it's just, that's a really cool analogy. I, I, it was really well said. Like I actually will use that, um, how, how I, you know, whether it's thinking of a client or someone approaches me about a project or I take on a project, the, that will be the piece of meat, right? Like the core. And then everything you provide for it, uh, will be, like you said, like the, 
the, the oil, the garlic, um, and, and all the, the herbs and spices. Um, yeah. And that, that go that goes down to, like you said, um, storytelling, right? So right. you can, you can parallel that to characters and the plot and like the dips and valleys of what those people go through to get the audience to feel what that character is and connect to them. Um, so I kind of parallel all of that stuff all the time with everything right. I'm doing, um, in a way that I don't, my aesthetic. So I shoot a lot with neon light. I shoot a lot with, uh, you know, a certain style doesn't overpower the client that they become scared and say, you know what, if we shoot with Matthew, his style is going to overpower our brand and just yeah. be the Matthew Guido show. I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. I want to say, Hey, if you can take 20% of what I'm doing and apply it to your brand, yeah. then that's going to lead you in a cool direction. That's going to be original. And that's how I've managed to protect my artistic integrity without being overpowered by a client and just saying, you know what, we'll just do what you guys want. And that's it. Um, yeah. And then your brand, you're, you're like, if I look at it, I won't even say, was he part of this project? Like yeah, you still that, leave that signature. Also, yeah. That's also helped me with dealing with people, with my friendships and relationships. Cause then you realize like, Oh, how much of myself am I overpowering in a situation? Like I need to integrate a little bit better and like all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. That's very important. What you said, uh, you know, even like bringing it to relationships a lot. I think a lot of creatives, including myself, uh, we get so absorbed with our own thoughts uh, and our imaginations that uh, we don't even realize how it comes across. And it's not even professionally, it's even personally, right? Like with relationships, like you said, um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure it's improved your life uh, just being like the experiences in photography. Yeah, uh, it, it has. So it's in one way, um, the way that I've learned to navigate being an artist has kind of become my religion in a way because it's where I, I, I meditate to keep a, a, the right headspace. Um, it's affected my, my, like me personally, but it's actually pulled me in a really good direction. Nice. So it like, it like anything that you're doing, if you can zoom out and get some perspective, you know, you can see the whole picture. And then when you see the whole picture, you can start to really see like how this thing is like layered and how you're going to structure it and all that. So. Yeah, no, that's very, that's very important. Like I said, it's uh it's always important to have and then that goes back to what you were saying before about the balance right um, yeah. you don't want to overpower the situation take, take away from this podcast is everybody needs to zoom out everyone needs to zoom out that might be yeah. the title i gotta write it, it down yeah. <laughs> zoom, zoom out people <laughs> zoom out yeah zoom out with matthew guido <laughs> that's it. Uh, i love it yeah um and yeah that that's again uh before the podcast you were asking me like you know what was your intention with the podcast and uh, why you started it. And, and that's exactly it is as much as I enjoy these conversations, I learn a lot from people like yourself um, that I can apply uh, to my life, whether it's personally or professionally. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, with regards to your work, uh, we've hyped you up a lot uh, discussing your details and how you navigate the business side. Um, but one thing that struck me and you, you mentioned it uh, briefly in, at the beginning of the podcast is uh, that there was a uh, piece of uh, content that you posted that got picked up by Adobe Lightroom. Mm. I thought that was fascinating. It was there because I, I use Adobe and I'm always, there's always like a, a shot and it's credited by an artist before the loading screen, uh, yeah. during the loading screen, right? So walk, walk us through the process. Like what was that like leading, leading up to like, leading up to creating that content and then getting noticed for it? Um, that piece of content in, in general was such a big deal for me because I really just took a second to, do shoot exactly what I wanted. I was with uh, an agency at the time and I was kind of being like flattened and commercialized. Um, mm. I don't, I don't feel like they understood me. And, um, I thought, okay, you know, I almost felt like 
I was almost made to feel selfish to want to shoot in my artistic style versus in a more commercial way that would get jobs in. And like, it was, so I was in a weird headspace to begin with. This is 2016. Right. And I'm like, I just want to shoot something so unapologetically the way that I want. And that's what this creative was. Um, so I got together with some, some key like team teammates, I guess I'll call them like stylist, hair, makeup, um, model. And, um, even my, even on my, on the photography side, like the team that I had people that just like understood me and vibe with me. Right. Uh, so I created this 100% on creative terms. Um, I published it on Adobe's Behance network, which is basically like a industry version of like a social network. So it's all, um, creatives. Um, so it's really illustrators, photographers, graphic designers, um, product design. It's, it's all visual, like anything you would use like an Adobe product to create, basically people upload their portfolios onto this, the social network, but Adobe actually, um, rates and curates, uh, collaborations from people who do well on there. So that shoot specifically went viral on Pinterest. Um, okay. and then also on the Behance network, I got like a crazy amount of views in a pretty short amount of time. Um, nice. And I got an email from Adobe's senior creative director saying, we would love to use this image for our next Lightroom cover. That's and I amazing. was just like, Phew. yeah, so, right. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what's the catch? Like, how is this going <laughs> to, you know, like, how does this work? Yeah. And it turned out to be yeah. like the best moment of my career for sure. So it was amazing. Cause it was like a stamp of approval from like such a high um, caliber on something that I literally set out and said, fuck everyone. I'm going to do this for myself. Like, I'm just going to yeah. go and shoot something that I want to do. So to get that back off of like taking off my own leash and going out there and getting celebrated for it was like an amazing, amazing uh, achievement and accolade professionally, but then also personally, it was like so validating. Um, and that was the yeah, best for part sure. of it. It gave yeah. you th that recognition, gave you the confidence uh, to keep going. Like as much as people think, uh, you know, that creatives, like, you know, they, they do, they're, what they put out there, they're always having a good time, like they're sure of their work or, you know, they're, 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 they're pursuing what they love. They're following their heart. There's a lot of self-doubt. And from the way you describe that story, I'm imagining that you're kind of at a crossroads. You weren't sure what was happening. Uh, maybe you were feeling in a rut and that, that yeah. credible source really like put you on a different trajectory. Yeah. And if uh, that's probably what I'm most known for now, and that was six or five years ago, that's why I, to touch back on what I was saying in the beginning of this podcast, right. there's so much more that I've grown in the five years since that happened that I haven't released yet. And I'm just like, so that's close. insane to me. Yeah, that's so, insane. It's so, to me. it's so close. I'm so excited. Yeah. Is it because like you're organizing everything in your timeline, like how it's going to appear like on your profile or it's just you're working out? Um, not really. It's more from I was doing well in that pocket so i was creating okay. work in that pocket for so long um and now i'm at a point where i've actually remained true to that but i've elevated it um mm -hmm. and going back to my zooming out thing like i've been doing so much work that's been like portrait and beauty and like yeah really very close yeah really close up face. right yeah so now now i'm tapping into those characters i've created the scenes that they're in, where the, where that character, what room is that person in? Like, it's always been close, right? So now I can storytell with locations and my compositions are much more cinematic. Um, I've also nice. started directing as well. So I've gotten into 
the video side a lot more. And I think I was a little resistant to go down the, the video road just because I wanted it to be at the same level as the photography. Right. So I spent a lot of time, um, a lot of time training in that, on that side. And, um, now I feel like super comfortable. I'm really happy. So I have some film projects coming out. Um, and, uh, I'm almost treating my new body of work, like each photography story, like a short film. So I've developed like characters, locations, and there's, always, amazing. there's more, there's more to it than it just looking cool. So yeah. I, think I, I figured out how to make things aesthetically look a certain way. And yeah. then now I, that was like the surface of it. And now I'm focused on what's behind it, where that character is coming from and all that. Yeah, and and I'm and it's so exciting to hear like all these these different mediums that you're 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 pulling, right? It's not just photography, and you're not stagnant. Uh, and I think that's inevitable for any artist uh, or anyone that's you know passionate about what they do is to evolve, right? To constantly well, the, be reinventing. The part ourselves. that's expensive and exciting about any artist isn't their uh, technique and how they express it. It's really their their thinking and their mindset yeah. and their taste level. So. Um, my taste level and where my head's at's at a certain place that it gives me permission to explore other mediums and not feel like I'm doing everything or I'm lost or whatever the case is. It's like, if I was going to work on a sculpture, I feel very confident to do that. If I was going to work on a video, I feel confident. To right. do that. It's all coming from the same place. Um, no, no, no. That, I, I, I know, I know exactly what that, what you mean by that is yeah. it's like the artworks we'll share with you after the podcast. Like, you'll you'll see that you know i do films but i also do my artworks and they're two different mediums but i put the same amount of passion and it's coming from the same place uh when i when i uh depict these characters on the page right in the way in which they are dragon ball z by the way pokemon yeah i think you'll get a kick out of it um so uh and that's why uh, you know i should mention as well like uh especially pokemon uh i i i like that it comes from that place and i like that you're unapologetically uh, expressive about your passion for anime like yeah. a lot of people might be you know what I mean? it, it, it might when i was in high, when reality. i was in school i used to hide yeah. like i used to have like like even my my like every little detail about that nerdy side of myself i was yeah. so insecure about it yeah um and i would hide it a lot because yeah. i didn't want to get made fun of for it or whatever the case yeah. was yeah so and, and no and, and that's that's what i'm saying is like I take inspiration from you where it's like, you know, I still post my stuff, but there's a part of me where it's like, does anyone like, does it look funny? Like there's these, uh, you know, Nintendo characters, whatever. And then I'll see your work and, and, and I'll see your portfolio. And I'm like, that's, that's exactly the vision that I had for myself is you're, you're showing, you're integrating uh, your passions, your childhood, what made you who you are today mm-hmm. with what you're, you're doing tomorrow. And well, um, yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it, sure. it's the same for you too, but there's a certain like euphoria uh, fantasy moment whenever you're gaming or when you're a kid and you're doing something that's like, I don't know, like even playing like um, super, even playing like super Mario, there's certain little things that happened in those times when I was like eight years old, seven years old, six years old, where a part of my brain that um, wasn't, I wasn't able to access in my you know normal real life routine. Oh, it opened up to that. So to me, those, references are like bookmarks of just like innocent creativity it's just innocent fantasy it's and it it feels good it's there's a little nostalgia there but i don't look at it like nostalgic so i'm pulling things from my past i look at using those things like i was saying about ingredients and then um furthering that same line of thinking or feeling so well i i'm glad we're on this subject because i tell my friends all the time um 
you know, when I watch, when I think back to those shows like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or Digimon, you know, obviously I watch, when you rewatch them, you think to yourself, you know, ah, like certain parts come across maybe corny or, you know, cause you're an adult, you, you, you see it with different lenses from a different perspective, but at its core, there was a story. Now I'm not too familiar with the content now. Uh, cause I don't watch it on family channel or whatever, but I remember as a kid, like they at least tried and Yu-Gi-Oh for instance, that comes to me, like there was some powerful storytelling going on character arcs and the, the emotional moments as, as funny as that may sound. And what I'm trying to say is that as a child watching this, it really took, gave me a lot of inspiration, uh, to tell my stories. I'm not yeah. saying they're the same way, but it's like, like you said, they're transcending. It's not just nostalgic. It's, uh, more than that. It's bigger than, than that. And um, yeah, that, that's why I think they, they always come back to us. Like I was doing a podcast about Pokemon uh, with a few buddies and I, and I asked them like before the podcast ended, I'm like, you know, what do you think it is about Pokemon that brings us all together? Like we're 25, 26 years old and we're still talking about it um, and 10 year olds are playing it now. And it's that sense of community, right? It's that sense of storytelling that everybody can enjoy and, and you know, relate to either the characters or what's going on and they, they feel part of it. Um, and like I said, at its core, it starts with great storytelling, what we were discussing this whole time. Um, so I think that's so cool that, that you share the same idea, man. It's, yeah, uh, I, th I think, I think being, a, being a good artist, being a good storyteller um, really is like having the ability to like surrender your everyday perspective of the world into something that, um, you know, can umbrella over other people's lives as well, too. And yeah. Um, I think now, especially because of uh, like, think about it over COVID, like how oversaturated everybody was like, oh, I love Netflix. Oh, I'm so sick of Netflix. It's just like, everything's yeah. so oversaturated. So the audiences have gone way smarter. Like people are, oh, yeah. people have like editing eyes now and that's just like on everyday people. So it's good because it challenges creators to, to go further. But yeah. like the audiences are much smarter. It also drive you crazy because I'm editing a yeah. short film right now, man. And it's like my own sister, who's not in the creative field at all. She's in HR, uh, will tell me like that guy that that's there's there's a lack of continuity. That shot doesn't match up right there. And she'll zoom in. And I'm like, holy crap. Like how I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, you know, 20 years ago, let's say who is zooming into shots or like really paying attention that easily, you know? And it's like anyone, like you said, uh, especially with, you know, the media that, that we're, we're consuming every day and what we see on Instagram uh, can point out those flaws. Yeah. And like, you should take your sister's opinion super serious because <laughs> I do. It, because, listen, at the end yeah. of the day, whoever's commenting on the content that you put out probably isn't a film professional. It's probably someone like your sister and yeah. that just takes that one comment. So it's better if you hear it from her directly than, you know, no, for sure. oh, there's no at continuity on Right. No, so and, I treat, I treat, I take everybody's opinions into consideration the same way I would take a comment into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you guys, how you have to be. Yeah. No, you, you beat me to it. And, and that's what I was going to uh, finish my point and say that uh, at first, I, I'll be honest, I was very resistant and saying, you know, you don't know anything. And then I started to realize I'm like, no, 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 this is a, this is an audience member. This is a, as my friend would tell me, this is a technically a customer or client. This is mm -hmm. someone uh, that's viewing your content um, and giving you their perspective, their opinion about something. Right. And that's why this morning, you know, I had a clip a raw clip before I went and did my uh, exercise routine. And I said, you know, quickly, this has been bothering me. I can't go to, can't sleep at night. Tell me if you see anything wrong with this clip. 
and she's looking at it and she's like, no, I don't, I don't see anything wrong. Okay. I'm like, okay, good. Cause she's the first person that I would go to like kind of have that friendship where it's like, she would tell me straight up if something's wrong or if she's very critical that way. And that just goes to show not being in the creative industry. Uh, she's still, she's still a member of the audience. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, like your point, it's, it's uh, you should be open-minded to everybody's opinion. Obviously not everyone's right. There are some things that you can argue, right? Like if I give you an opinion about your photography, right. Whether you take it in or not, like that's your prerogative, but at the end of the day, like, um, you might even take, it might even, uh, you know, give you, give you an idea on something to change, but for sure, man, uh, definitely keep open minded. And, uh, that only takes time, right. As artists, as we grow, uh, we start to realize like people are working with you, uh, instead of against you, or at least the people that you associate and surround yourself with. So, um, like, because we're on that point, like how, has your family been or your parents, like, have they always been supportive of this, this passion, this dream of yours, photography, or were they a little bit resilient at first? Um, I would say that since I was a kid, it was pretty evident that where I was sort of like growing towards versus not. So I had a really hard time with school. Um, I battle a little bit of dyslexia. So through that, I got put into special ed when I was in elementary school on certain times. Um, and I would kind of get grouped into, uh, feeling just like unintelligent when I was in a, in that mode, I was like, I don't know, how old are you in grade six, seven, like you 12, yeah. 12, 13, I think. Yeah. At that time to get separated from like the smart people, like it kind of messed up with with my head a little bit. So I stopped trying because of that. So my parents saw how excited and passionate and like full of life I was towards creative things. Yeah. Um, so I think by the time I broke away from the school system, um, all of those challenges were gone. And I, tr- I took it so seriously that they took it seriously. Like whatever, I have a very intense father. Like my dad is like a mix of Inspector Gadget okay. me- meets um, uh, Eugene Levy from like Meet the Parents. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Um, Robert De Niro from Meet the Parents, not Eugene. Oh, okay, okay. Very yeah. stern, yeah. He's like, he's got that Robert De Niro, but then yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he's quirky. Like my dad basically challenges the way that um, I think all the time. And that's what he did professionally. Like he was a consultant and my dad was almost like a psychiatrist for businesses. He would like totally deconstruct a company and then put it back together. And he right. had techniques for doing that. So my dad was already working on my head since I was a kid and I was very like aware that he was going to challenge me going on my own. So I made sure to cross my T's and dot my eyes. Like I tried really, really hard to create a calendar for myself and be busy all the time. Um, which didn't really contribute to where I am now other than it kept my parents happy. So, yeah. Um, so what, so you're, I made you're, it, I made it, I made it easy for them sometimes. Like I, I made yeah, it, you're alluding, yeah, you're, you're alluding to a story that I, I feel like I can relate as well. So are you saying they kind of give, gave you that time to explore this passion? Um, even though it wasn't as conventional, like you, you were, my, like you said, my, like you kept my parents busy? just celebrated me being me. And I'm really grateful for that because I probably would have been different if it was a different situation. So in in respect to them doing that um i definitely took that freedom very seriously and um made sure that they could see that oh matthew's not playing around you know so right 
Yeah, you took yourself seriously and you took the art form seriously. So they said, okay, yeah. this guy. Did, yeah, we have, um, did we have hiccups along the way? Absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but th that stuff is like, that happens no matter what you're doing with your parents when you're going from being dependent and being a kid and then, you know, you're growing and you want to be, you know, your own individual person and they know what's best for you. They have more experience, so. No, that's that's my struggle. And, and I think, are you referring to as well? Because I can only imagine. Uh, are you Italian by, by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Italian as well, right? And, you know, that same mindset of, you know, pursuing a linear path. Uh, you know, my parents even tell me all the time, like, you know, we'd rather uh, have you working in office because it's safe. Um, even though they see like how creative I am and how much I can't sit still. And what I'm saying is that like, you know, those hiccups, like you said, that come along the way, I can only imagine when like you were work, would work a job for free and you're trying to explain to your parents, uh, you know, it's for the value. Did you ever come across those kinds of dilemmas? Oh yeah. Keep in mind too, like social media wasn't around when I started and, right. um, there was no way to say like, but look, look how many, look how many likes I'm getting. Look how many, like, yeah, look, yeah. look at how they can actually analyze and scale this. Like there was no, I had a MySpace, like when I started, like that was, <laughs> oh like, my God. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? So yeah. Way back. Yeah. Way back when. And, um, Facebook was like a huge part, but like parents didn't understand that at the time. This is like going back yeah. to like 2007 and eight and like Facebook kind of like just happened at that time. And there was no way to like show, Hey, this is working. It was just all my own word. Right. But uh, to take, yeah, exactly. Well, to be an yeah. Italian family, they're like, where's yeah. the checks? Where's the money? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. So I that's what had... I kind of, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I, I kept um, part-time jobs as I was going to okay. kind of like protect myself from, you know, opinion, number one, and number two also, okay, I'm like, if I work hard like this, then I'll have a little bit more money, I can get more gear, and then I can do this, and I can do right, that, right. so I think that technique worked for me, but um, yeah, it has not, it has not been smooth sailing, but that's what makes the adventure, so no, that's, that's, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're open and honest about this because that's what I'm kind of experiencing myself. Um, it's just that, again, that crossroads where yeah. uh, I've been working all these different jobs, part-time, full-time. And then just before the pandemic, I not knowing the pandemic would happen. I said, let me give myself this time to focus on what I want to do uh, for the next five years or a lifetime. And yeah, that, that's, that's what I want to say is like, did you, have a moment where you said like, where is this headed? Or did you have any like doubts or were you kind of just persistent? Or did you give yourself, I should say like that time, uh, cause you said you work part-time jobs. Did you ever say to yourself, like, do I got to go all in and just focus on this craft? Um, yeah, I did the part-time job thing in the beginning, just to kind of balance out like the nana opinion, the father opinion, the mom. Opinion. Yeah. 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 Um, I did that like really early on in the beginning. Then I went all in, um, and I had a really, really tough time for about like, let's say four solid years. And the reason being, and maybe this is something that um, I don't know if you can relate to or not, is mm -hmm. when I was working, when I was being creative, when I was doing things for my career, um, I work a lot better at nighttime. That is when that I tapped into mm -hmm. that. And yep. parents just see that you're up late, you're not waking up early, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I realized that I had to contain and manage that behavior I was living at home um, in a way that 
I could protect it. Cause I'm like, I feel like what I'm tapping into when I'm like vibing at night, listening to music and like developing out some ideas is so special that no one's going to understand it. So I have to show my parents that I have a routine. I'm waking up, I'm doing this. And then I would almost communicate with them like, Hey, this weekend I'm spending the time developing something. So like Friday to Sunday, it's me time. I'm going to be in my room. And I had to speak to them like that. So I had to communicate it. Um, but I had to also let them see that, like, I'm waking up at normal times during the week. I'm going to work. I would like even take my laptop and go work at a Starbucks away from the house. Just so my parents Good. would see I was leaving, you know? Um, but this is all things that I was battling when I was still living at home in my early twenties. Yeah. Um, and then when I moved out and was on my own and was away from all of that, um, the opposite happened where like I lost all my structure, all the things blurred. <laughs> yeah, of you course know. you have your own and, living space. Yeah. 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 So that all changed. And then somewhere, somewhere along the line, you just kind of snap into like, am I the problem? Like, but this is a very hard career to, to be a creative or to even let's, let's zoom out again to have a, a job that you like doing. Yeah. It's such a privilege and you have it to, is. yeah, you have to learn to treat it as such and put in the work to, protect that because if it's you so don't delicate. you're yeah. gonna end up um either wasting a big chunk of your 20s and then end up in your 30s settling on a job that you don't want so you have to act like it's like there's another quote winning isn't everything but wanting to is so you have to act like a winner to get there that attitude is what makes you a winner not the achievements like right now you could look and say oh matthew you're so lucky you're, you're in a winning position. The definition of luck is being prepared for opportunity and winning to me is an attitude. So those two things really help me to protect this career. Um, yeah. I don't just wake up and shoot these amazing things and then, you know, do whatever I want, which maybe that's how it comes across from Instagram. Cause it's only, right, one, of course. What, it's only one dimension. That's why lately I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, I do have things to say and I want to be able to communicate them to people. So I'm like, maybe I should start a YouTube. Maybe I should start doing more videos to let people in on how yeah, I arrived sure. at, the, at this, you know, place that I'm at. But um, back to the original point with parental stuff and um, was there a little bit of struggle there? 100%. Yeah. Um, did that help me get to where I am at now? Yeah, because you have to go through that no matter what it is. If I had a normal job and I wasn't, you know, doing this, Maybe my struggles at that time would have been like, my parents want me to buy a house and I don't, I want to travel. So I don't want to, you know, it, it all depends. Parent, parents are like, they keep you in, it, they let you color inside of the lines to a certain degree. Yeah. And uh, what, the more you communicate and become friends with them, depending on what kind of people they are, yeah. you know, they get to live their dreams out through you as well. So, yeah. No, yeah. it's true. Like, like you, you said it at the beginning, I, I can only imagine right there worry they're concerned especially how you described your father being a robert de niro from meet the parents that i can only imagine anyone watching this that knows my dad <laughs> is gonna laugh because he's like i'm gonna send you a nice little uh little video of him after this and you, you'll you tell me <laughs> no yeah for sure i saw i saw a touching post that um it was your father and uh you were just showing him stuff on the camera and it was like beautifully lit and you the caption was take oh, your yeah. kid uh right take your kid to work day and or take your dad i should say and I just thought that was so, that was so cool. And, uh, you know, just telling your story, like to, to have that moment, uh, what was that like, you know, just showing your dad, like how far you've come or seeing that. 
was it was well, it emotional yeah for sure my my dad has always been like my number one fan but i'm the last person to know that in a way like right. everyone tells me oh your dad's so proud of you and like this and that and then <laughs> i'm like feel, yeah. man this guy's so hard on me like yeah, yeah. Um, so bringing him to work um was great and he has really good taste so i'll be showing him something that i'm doing um or like hey dad look at this can't look at this shot and my dad's yeah. like uh maybe you should crop this in and like maybe pick another frame like he has an opinion you know what i mean that's so, great yeah that's great so and I like I could, yeah yeah and my my parents especially my mom same way where uh, as much as they're not in film they'll still give you an opinion on like oh that actor you know or change this uh, scene or the cinematography might be, should be better that's it that's out of focus but it's all out of love right and that's yeah. that's what we can take from it so the other thing, the other thing I realized on this yeah. podcast is the next time I do one, I'm definitely not going to use a chair with wheels because I feel like I've, as I'm talking, I'm just like floating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say like I don't know if I don't know if there's like stuff going on in the background. I don't know of like he has stuff to do, so we're just <laughs> squeeze squeeze Matthew in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's fine, man. Uh, people people want to hear your thoughts most importantly, and uh, yeah, I think that's that's what they're they're taking from it. And you know, before we go, I just want to say like what what do you hope that the audience takes from your work what do you what do you want what's the legacy the, the impact um i think number one the one thing that i'm always trying to do is i'm really really trying to be known for the light that i use and the way that i the way that i use it also my relationship with color has been like such a special thing for me because you can really like i actually i'll give a quick example um so let's say you take the Mona Lisa, a picture that everybody knows, and you have it in its normal form, and then you split it into 10 different colors, and you ask 100 people which one's their favorite. Right. People will pick their favorite, even though the actual image has not changed at all based on the color. So mm. color can actually be more powerful than the content because people connect with yeah. colors for lots of different emotional reasons, reasons they don't even know about. Yeah. Um, the same way a smell can trigger, trigger a memory or, uh, you know, certain things. So I'm really trying to further as best as I can, my compositions and my content with light technically. And then I'm really, really trying to use color to, to take it one step further. So the Matthew Guido experience is full sensory. That's like really what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Um, and take people into my magical little land that's in my head. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, you know, I, the recent post that you've done, you were part of a, a music video. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that artist that you took the shot of with the orange and the reds and, you know, how she was staring back. It, uh, again, as a filmmaker, like it's striking to me uh, because I love shots. I just love how they're composed, like, how, how they're positioned and how you, you, you position their models. Um, and I think that's a great avenue that you're picking up directing or uh, filmmaking for that matter. Uh, so I'm excited for you for that and uh, Thanks, yeah, looking forward to some films. Yeah. Are you, are you writing uh, any scripts or, Oh, you're writing as well. Okay, good. That's what I want to hear. Cause that's a true I, I, story. Listen, right there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing in the most like non grammatical way where someone, oh, will, okay, okay. someone will clean it up when it gets, someone will clean it up like, and you'll get a, you'll get, they'll get a secondary credit. <laughs> exactly. But I'm letting the ideas out on paper. So. Right. 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 Yeah. No, that's, that's so important, man. It's uh, I still remember at TIFF, uh, I was at, uh, you know, one of those, those screenings and, uh, after the show, uh, after the screening, they do a Q and a, and then there was a, someone, uh, very young stood up and said, you know, uh, how do you become a filmmaker? And the guy's like, by learning how to write a story. 
So I think that uh, speaks to a lot. Um, if anyone pursues that kind of career or, or any uh, creative path as proven with this podcast, right? That storytelling yeah. is, is at its core. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for having me on here and letting me just like rant, talk through examples yeah. and, you know, hopefully no, there's some takeaways for you guys too. No, for yeah. sure. It was, it was very insightful, like I said. And uh, that's why I do these podcasts because I've been following you for a while and uh, I noticed you follow my content as well. So it's like, I want to know who this person is um, because again, I was proven with this conversation. I didn't know that you, you had so much work that you're, you're, that's even more superior than the ones that you're putting out now. You know what I mean? Like that you're, you're, there's a whole portfolio and, you know, the struggles you went through and, uh, you know, your parents, uh, judgments and things like that. Like it's just, uh, it humanizes the person. And that's the whole intent, um, is for people to see that we're all just like you and you and I. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, having said that, thank you again, Matthew Guido for coming on the podcast. Thank you everybody for listening and remember to zoom out, take care and we'll talk soon.